Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Kin folk, let us pray. Holy and merciful God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing and acceptable unto thee, our guide and our destination. Amen. Holy Week is a challenge to Christians who believe, as I do, that the Holy Bible is not a history book or a secret prophecy of the future, but is rather the description of the current day that we live in. In other words, I know what's coming on Sunday, next Sunday. I've been planning for it. We put some thought into it. Easter's happened a few times before. It'll keep happening in the future. We know about all of the celebrations that are coming on Sunday morning. But we're asked to suspend that understanding. In other words, we need to put ourselves into the present moment and with the disciples and the crowds who are gathered for that first Palm Sunday, try to understand that we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's really going to happen on that cool morning there in the garden next Sunday. That's very, very hard to do. It's hard to force yourself to act as though you don't know what is about to happen. There's a very fancy word uh, from seminary that I picked up, at least worth the price of admission, to describe the sort of thing that I'm supposed to help you do every Sunday morning. That word is anamnesis. Anamnesis is a Greek word that means to unforget, to unforget. It's the same root as the word amnesia, amnesia. So anamnesis is kind of the opposite of amnesia, but it's more than just remembering something you'd forgotten. See, one of the challenges of Christian ministry is that I get you for, well, an hour on Sunday, assuming your attendance is pretty good. The world gets you the rest of the time. The world gets you the rest of the time. If you're anything like me, you probably spend more than an hour with your nose buried in your phone during the week. That's okay. God help us all. Some of you may even watch more than an hour of cable news each week. God is merciful. Your sins are forgiven. We're desperate to try to know what's going on in the world. And so here I get you for this measly hour, and the world gets you the rest of the time. Would that I could turn that on its head. That was the idea. There were a lot of monastic movements where holy women and men of the church washed their hands of the world and said, we're going to flip the script. We'll be in the world for an hour this week. We'll be in church the rest of the time. But we can't do that. We don't do that here. And so you come back here on Sunday morning, and my job is to help you unforget all of the lies that have been told to you out there in the world. Now, for some preachers, this is a real challenge. In some churches, that sermon is going to be a little bit longer than 15 minutes. Some churches, they'll preach for an hour. Hopefully, I don't need that much time to help you unforget everything that's happened out there. 
Today, we just heard this incredible, dramatic rendition of Matthew's Gospel. One of the things that I need to help you all unforget is that Matthew, the author of Matthew, was a Jewish person writing for Jewish people. And so now here in today's world, when we hear that scripture talking about the Jews did this and the Jews did that, and the Jewish crowd said such and Pilate said such, it's easy to think of those Jews as being different from us. And they weren't for Matthew. For Matthew, you might as well take out the word Jews and put in the word we, we, we did this, we did that, we did this thing. The blood is on our hands, us, us. Because Matthew is trying to get his audience to unforget. Matthew's trying to get his very Jewish audience to remember their story, to remember their history. They've forgotten something very important on Palm Sunday as they welcome Jesus into the holy city, waving palms and branches as though they're swords above their heads, praising the son of David, the anointed one who will rise up with an army and strike down their oppressors with the sword, liberate that city, set the people free, call down fire from heaven and burn the sinners and so all of the people gathered there can finally see their oppressors ground into dust. That's what they want. Matthew says, you forgot, you forgot something. You forgot that our salvation doesn't come from horses and chariots. You've forgotten, oh people, you descendants from the people who escaped captivity in the dark of night, who fled on foot across those shallow, salty mud flats, fleeing from the Egyptian army, walking lightly, bearing no packs, so that they could cross across those muddy fields, and then the armies roaring behind them, chariots and armors and swords and weapons got bogged down in that same mud, trapped, dead, because they put their faith in horses and chariots and armor and weapons. You've forgotten as you stand here asking the son of David to come into the holy city and liberate you through military power. You know that that's not how it works. You're supposed to know if you've read the thing. But it's so counterintuitive. It's just so difficult to believe. It's so hard to believe that a city like this one, like Grand Rapids, will be prosperous and healthy if it cares for the widow and orphan first. It's hard to believe that our lives will be enriched through giving. Where's the economic sense in that? And it's hard to believe that if we put our faith and trust in God, our lives will be more secure. There's just no common sense in it. The people shout, Hosanna. Literally, they're shouting, God save us, God save us. And they've forgotten. They've forgotten that their salvation is not found in military power, or in oppression, or in wealth, or in status. And so my task, simple as it is, 
is to get us together once a week and try to get us to unforget all that stuff that's out there in the world. To turn back to Jesus Christ and answer his question. The same question he puts to his disciples. The same question that he puts to the people that he heals. The same question that he puts to Pontius Pilate and those powerful people in his community. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? On Palm Sunday, they say, well, you're the anointed one. You've come to lead us in a revolution. And with great and terrifying violence, punish our oppressors. That's not the right answer. And some today, even today in the church, look to Jesus. And when he asks them, who do you say I am? They say, we are your gatekeepers. We're the ones that are going to protect you and your message, your doctrine. We're going to keep it pure. We're going to stand at the gates of the holy city and let some in. But others will keep out. We'll decide this based on arbitrary rules. Maybe we'll make it about gender. We'll say some people who are uh, women, uh, we're not going to let them preach. Because we need to protect you, Jesus from women's voices, (laughs) as though that's anywhere in the Bible. Thou will say, yeah, some people, we don't like their lifestyle. We don't like the way that they live. Maybe we'll let them in with provisional approval, as long as they behave the way we think they ought to. Jesus never asks for that. We ought to put the kids in charge. I was being as serious as a heart attack when I told them that they were the only group that got things right. And we don't listen to them sometimes. We should put them in charge and decide who gets to come to church. Because I can tell you with great assurance who they would say gets to come to church. My God, what a revelation. Teddy from the back of the van asking me, is there any place that stuffies aren't allowed? We couldn't come up with anywhere. Can I take my stuffy to the dentist? Yes, you can take your stuffy to the dentist. But to think, to think on that message, that if you put the kids in charge, they're not going to keep anybody out of the church. They'd be troubled by the very thought, the very idea. Today on Palm Sunday is our day for remembering, for unforgetting the answer to Jesus' question, who do you say I am and what victory is it that you truly desire? What are the metrics by which I can show you that God has won? How large is our imagination? How large is our God? Is the God we worship up to the task of saving the entire universe? That should seem like a pretty simple answer. I think the answer is a clear and resounding yes, based on everything I've read in the Bible. The unforgetting is that this stuff is still happening today. Today. We are... people who have been called by God to, in the face of all of the challenge and the pain and the poverty and the disenfranchisement and the oppression that's happening out there, to say in the face of that, in the face of all of the evidence to the contrary, that God has won, that the victory is secure that we're hopeful, 
We're a people who's been asked by God to look at these global crises, the ongoing war, famine and destruction, the ecocide, the death of a planet being wrought by the hands of a few powerful and wealthy individuals, and to say in the face of all of that, in the face of all of that science, death doesn't win. The future is bright and good. That's a hard, hard task. It's counterintuitive. It would be probably a lot more popular to put our faith in horses and chariots, in military power, in might makes right. It's a lot harder to put it in the way of peace and mercy, forgiveness, justice, charity. It's counterintuitive. But that's the reason we have these little gatherings, Sunday after Sunday. It's because we believe that the future, that the salvation is secure. And our job is to be the people, the small group of people, that little minority that says, I know that the situation looks hopeless. I understand that the pain is unspeakable. But... But, love wins, but God wins, and it's going to be okay. That's our job. This week, as we go through Holy Week once more, let's align ourselves with the children who simply shout Hosanna, who simply run to Jesus, knowing that the victory is secure. Let's unforget the distracting pain and injustice that seems to swallow up our hope in despair. And for the love of all that's holy, let's not put our faith in horses and chariots. Let's turn to Jesus and say, Son of David, Son of Man, Son of God, you are our salvation. Remember, Remember, amen.